Wedding Crush. Welcome to the 222 Paranormal Podcast, starring your host, Joe Shurton, his lovely sister, me, Gentry. Hello. Welcome, everybody, back to another fantastic show. I can't hit that high voice anymore. Like, Hello. Yeah, so it's kind of dull. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Keep practicing. But with us today, we have a very, very special guest. Oh, We're excited. very honored to have him here with us, paranormal investigator and founder of Potographs, which we will find out what that is all about here shortly. Tim Miley. Welcome to the show, Tim. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, excited to talk with you guys tonight. And, uh, and hopefully people are entertained a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm excited to get you on. I, yeah. We've been talking for a while, and I've been seeing you at the conferences, and it's one of the things where we got to get Tim on. we yeah. got to get him on. And yeah, we've always been fascinated because I think we've seen you about 467 <laughs> different conventions, and we're always like, why is Tim not on our show? But tonight's the night, so yeah. thank you for stopping by, and really excited to hear your story and your journey and what Podographs is all about. I think our listeners are um, very curious as of right now. Yeah, so how did you start the journey uh, wow, the journey, the journey actually begins in 2006. Um, I had just bought the home that I live in now. Uh, I was going through a lot of issues personally, uh, dealing with a lot of depression and, uh, moved into this house and, and I had activity happening. And, and when I say activity, uh, it, it seems fairly tame looking back at it now, but it was footsteps, voices, bangs in the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, you're running the mill stuff as a paranormal investigator, but there I was at 31 years old and I never dealt with anything paranormal before. Um, my, uh, my dad's side of the family is very religious. And, uh, what that meant growing up was when, when we pass, you go to heaven, you go to hell. There's, Mm -hmm. there's no reason to talk about it and Mm -hmm. there's no discussion. Uh, so that's how I was raised. And those were my beliefs until I moved into this house. And then all of a sudden I've, I'm, I'm dealing with, you know, things that are paranormal and, and finding out that, Hey, there's another side to this world. And, and, uh, my eyes are being open to it. Uh, funny story along the way. Um, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm about six, four, two seventy, And, and these things were happening. And the first thing I did was I called my mommy <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I, I told my mom what was happening. And my mom is, is, is not a brave person. Um, she will not stay the night here to this day. And, uh, so she told me to go see what it was. Um, so from very meager and humble beginnings, that's how it all started on the paranormal side. Um, in the meantime, this is the first home that I'd ever bought or lived in and that I actually owned. And I always wanted a dog. Hmm. Uh, it was a, that was a big thing for me when I bought this house. I want to get a dog. And and, and I looked online and I found a, a yellow lab pit bull mix. And the story was that he was rescued from the home that he was in. The, the shelter actually went in and took him because he was being beaten so badly. Oh, no. Uh, at six months old, he couldn't wag his tail because somebody had tried to rip it off. Um, his entire life, he couldn't wag his tail unless he got real excited. And then it would just kind of twitch a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, you knew he was happy when he was able to have that breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, I called and asked if I could go meet him, and his name at the time was Stryker, which seemed a little, little odd for a dog that had been beaten, but uh, they tried to talk me out of it. 
uh, he didn't like men is what they told me. Hmm. And, uh, I told them I am not any normal man (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, and it worked and they let me come and visit him. Uh, long story short, they let him out of the kennel, the kennel and this little puppy that wasn't supposed to want anything to do with me came running to me and and jumped into my arms and was, and licking me on the face and giving me kisses. And and, uh, it just felt right. I remember they let me take him outside and play with him for a while. I couldn't take him home that day. So when I left, he was still outside. And I, if I closed my eyes, I could still see him uh, with his with his paws up against the chain link fence looking at me like, why are you leaving me? Huh. Um, I was able to go get him uh, about a week and a half later. And uh, I brought him home. And the first thing I noticed was that he was following everything that I was hearing and seeing. And uh, for the first time in weeks, I didn't feel insane. Uh, there, there was another living being that was that was noticing the activity in the house. Uh, fast forward a couple months, and my depression got the best of me. And I sat in my bathroom with the largest knife I had in the house. And I went through each family member and each friend one by one. And, and I came up with an excuse as to why it would be okay if I wasn't here, why their lives would be better if I wasn't around anymore. And uh, just as I was about to do the unthinkable, I felt something on my left arm. And I looked down, and it was Murray. (laughs) And uh, he was just looking up at me with these beautiful brown eyes. And I remember saying to myself, you selfish son of a bitch. (laughs) Um, What's he going to do without me? You know, he needed me just as much as I needed him. Mm And uh, it broke me out of it. And uh, from that day forward, we weren't owner and dog. We were father and son. Oh, I love that. And, uh, and I lived every day to thank him because how do you thank somebody that saved your life? Yeah. Um, as you said, you've seen me at a, at a few conferences. Mm-hmm. And that all started in like 2012, really picked up in 2013 when, a, when the episode of Paranormal Witness I was on mm-hmm. came out. Um, and I started to tell my story and I didn't know how people were going to react to it. Um, it's a little deep for a paranormal conference sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was really naive because there were so many people in the audience that needed to hear that message, needed to hear that they, they, they could keep fighting and that life can be good someday. Um, you know, they give you this table at the event. And at the time I didn't have anything. I was four or five years into being a paranormal investigator and And uh, I thought to myself, you know, there's got to be something that I can do that's good with this table. So came up with the idea for Potographs or Pooches. In the beginning, it was just photos of Murray and I that he was uh, potographing. And I was uh, personalizing (laughs) them at the events. And there was $10. And and all the money that we raised would go to a shelter in the area of the event. And the first event we did, we raised a whole $10. And... uh, gradually it picked up speed though you know we would be, we would raise a couple hundred dollars here a couple hundred dollars there uh we would we would incorporate uh you know t-shirts and now we got sweatshirts and uh then eventually exclusive events where we would run uh, an investigation and a mini paracon and all of the ticket sales you know minus expenses mm-hmm. uh, would go to the shelter in the area and uh from meager beginnings and really no uh, concrete goal uh, as far as money uh, you know here we are you know almost nine years later and this past March we raised over thirteen dollars thirteen thirteen thousand dollars <laughs> wow. um, at one event 
At one event? Yeah. Wow, one event. that's and, amazing. That's yeah, it was, uh, it was emotional. Yeah. And, uh, and here we are now, just over $72,000 raised overall. <laughs> and uh, the goal next year is we're going to try to get over $100,000 total. That's incredible. And, uh, you know, we've, we've done what we set out to do. We, we've created a legacy for Murray. Um, through his name and his likeness, we've been able to raise so much money for, for shelters around the country. And the paranormal field has kind of wrapped its arms around this and said, hey, we're not going to let this fail. And, you know, there's a lot of great folks in the field that have really gotten behind this and, and made it succeed. And uh, the biggest <laughs> word for me is, is grateful. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity. And, and I've said before in interviews like this, that uh, the paranormal field has given me far more than I will ever be able to repay it. So uh, the, the least I can do is, is be somebody that people can look at and go, Hey, he does a good job at yeah. this. And, and uh, he's a halfway decent guy. <laughs> and, you know, I know when I got mainly into the paranormal field and going to conventions, I didn't know exactly what type of people we were going to run into. But you'll find after going to so many of these conventions, almost 99.999% of the people you meet are some of the nicest people in the world. Yeah. Everybody is happy to meet you. Everybody's willing to tell their stories. And, you know, you, you think, well, the paranormal, they deal with death and they deal with the afterlife. And, that, and it's, it's much more than that. They deal with life a lot more than mm -hmm. death. And like your cause, people are so willing to give into that because they can see that it's a good cause. Mm -hmm. It's, it's something that's making a difference, you know, and I just, I'm, well, I'm just blown away about all the good work, you know, all the good words that we've hear about you and your, your, uh, potographs. Well, I, I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, mm -hmm. Believe it or not, there are people out there that don't like me <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's fine. You can't make everybody love you, but, um, yeah, there are fantastic people in this field. And, and like you said, 99.9% .9 and even that 0.01 percentage, um, they, they out themselves as not good people pretty early and then they're mm -hmm. gone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not too far afterwards. So, uh, seen that many it's, uh, times. <laughs> it's a fantastic field, a great group of people. And I get to go to these events and it's like seeing family all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah, and then you is. feel bad at the end of the weekend because, uh, you, you haven't had a chance to talk to everybody you wanted to. And the weekend gets away from you. But uh, my friend Rosa is in the chat room and mm -hmm. she's, she's, she's being a pain in the rear. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, she's a great supporter of photographs for coaches too. And uh, I love her. And uh, certainly I'm uh, very happy every time that uh, she comes to an event or, or supports an event any way she can. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we've been going to conventions for, I don't know, four or five years now, um, hot and heavy outside of, you know, what happened with COVID not being able to, you know, hold the conventions, but it's like a family reunion, you know, mm -hmm. you see people you haven't seen before. We're all there like-minded. Um, it is a very supportive community and, you know, people absolutely love pets, right? <laughs> like I think some people treat their pets better than <laughs> some of their family members, <laughs> but you know, it's it's really interesting that you know you know you go to a convention and and a lot of I'll call them quote unquote celebrities are there to 
boost themselves. You're doing something that is just selfless, right? You are, are just passing on the goodness to all of these shelter animals who need homes. And it's, I, I've seen some of the videos online. People, you know, adopt, <laughs> don't shop, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's important. Um, I still want, I know it's not a dog, but I still want a capybara. Oh, you can have one. One of those giant rodents <laughs> that act like dogs. They do. <laughs> you can have one. But Tim, can I want to go back just a little bit, um, you know, talking about before you moved into this house. So did you have any um, knowledge of the paranormal before that? Was it just like something like, hey, maybe I heard a ghost story here or there? Or, or, you know, did you have any experience prior to moving into this house with the paranormal? I'm very limited that I can remember. Mm -hmm. um, my dad passed at a very early age. Um, when I was eight years old, he was hit by a construction vehicle oh. and, and ended up being in a coma for six and a half years and passed away when I was 15. Oh, Lord. Um, the first spirit that I dealt with when I moved into this home was my father. Oh. So I don't know how long he had been trying to get my attention mm -hmm. and I just was not noticing. Um, I, I can remember one thing that really sticks out from when I was younger. Uh, we had a we had a photo. Everybody had that console TV. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, younger. yeah. And you put photos on top of it, and we all thought we were high society. And <laughs> and uh, I was living at home. Uh, I was in high school, and um, the uh, the picture of my grandma and grandpa fell off the TV for no apparent reason. And um, we got a call seconds later. Um, telling us that our, my grandpa had passed away. Oh, wow! And uh, that was the closest I ever came to thinking, "Wow, that was that was a coincidence." Mm -hmm. um, but uh, and anything else, I, I just think I was conditioned to not really even bother with it. Mm -hmm. And and it sounds cliche, but everything happens for a reason. And I think there was a reason that you know this period of my life was like, hey, okay, I think he's ready for this now. Um, I used to say all the time in my lectures that I didn't choose this field. I, I firmly believe my father did. Hmm. I, I think it was my father's way of saying, hey, wait a minute, when you were growing up and and we were telling you all this stuff, we weren't right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I want, and I want to help you find the right way here, yeah. that these things exist and that this exists. And uh, it's uh, it's opened up so many doors. Mm -hmm. you know, for me, not, not only professionally, but personally, you know, and that can be a double-edged sword because a lot of my friends live so, so far away. Um, you know, I have a good close group of friends here in Wisconsin, but, but otherwise, uh, you know, most of my friends live all over the country and, yeah. and that can get a bit lonely, but it, it sure is good to get together and see them all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Now, when you first moved into the house, what were you noticing first? Was it the knocks and bangs was it the footsteps or was like everything kind of happening all at once the first activity that i had i was sitting in my living room i uh, just moved in so i had a tv and a couch mm -hmm. uh, because watching espn was very important to me <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, bachelor I, I pad was, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was sitting in the uh sitting in the living room and i started to hear footsteps running from bedroom to bedroom upstairs and we're talking loud footsteps. Mm -hmm. And that was the first that I'd ever dealt with it. Uh, first activity I had. Uh, that quickly progressed to what sounded like loud voices 
in my uh, walk-in closet uh, loud enough that I could hear, but not understand what was being said. Okay. Uh, if that makes any sense. It yeah. almost sounded like it was three or four rooms away, but you could yeah. hear. Sort of like someone with a TV on in the other room. Yeah. And, and the first mm-hmm. thing I did was open up my windows in my bedroom to see if my neighbor was outside screaming at somebody. And, uh, as soon as I got up and opened up the closet door, the voices stopped. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So uh, that was uh, that was in the beginning. And then I started to get, you know, pounding on the wall. And and it just it, it kept going like that for for a few months and then it kind of died down. Um, there's a story where I, I was trying to get Murray to go to bed one night and he wouldn't come anywhere near me. And he, he ran into the bedroom upstairs and I stood in the doorway and in the doorway to the left was the walk-in closet. And a lot of people had told me by then, you know, this is probably your dad he's there watching over you. Um, he's worried about you. So I turned to my left and I said, dad, you're going to, you can go now. You're scaring the dog. I'm going to be okay. And that was in 2007 at some point. Uh, fast forward to 2012, and I'm working a case with Scotty Rorick for the first time. And Scotty's in my my living room before we left, and he looked at me, and he said, uh, your dad wants me to tell you something, but I'm not sure you want to hear it in front of everybody. And I said, well, the, the team is my family. You can tell me anything you need to. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he said, your dad's upset. You told him to leave. Oh. And uh, you want to talk about tears. Oh, yeah. yeah I bet. <laughs> I, was, I was devastated. You know, and of course, I told him, I told Scotty, I said, please tell dad that he's welcome here anytime. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now I have this wonderful relationship with my dad um, that, you know, selfishly, I wish I would have had, you know, when I was younger and when mm-hmm. and he could have still been alive. But. You know, not many people have this special relationship with their father after death. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk to him however I can, I guess. Yeah. I talk to my uh, dad all the time. All the yeah. time, right? I'm like, Shorty, the Lions won. The Lions <laughs> won this week. And he's probably I, uh, up there. I'm going to give you guys yes. credit because I, I don't know how long I could be loyal to the Lions. <laughs> I know, right? I, I mean, they, I it's, it's been so long since they've. So, yeah, we, we don't need to get into it. I'm spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over here in Green Bay. Um, oh, believe yeah, we, me. I, I've had it pretty good since about 1991, so I can't complain. It's not um, easy but, being a Lions fan. I'll just leave it at that, right? I, I am a Michigan Wolverines fan, and to prove okay. that, there's the big house behind me. Yeah, yep, I see it. <laughs> um, I was mighty excited the last few weeks here with Ohio State and then mm-hmm. with Iowa. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy on that front. But, but getting back to the things that were happening mm-hmm. in the home, um, in 2019, unfortunately, Murray passed away. Oh. And uh, Murray and I had a deal, mm-hmm. or at least I had a deal. Um, before he passed away, as I was holding him, I whispered in his ear, I said, you better let me know you're okay, otherwise I'm coming to get you. <laughs> and uh, the thought of him being alone killed me inside. Mm-hmm. And you know, basically what I was telling him was, you got to let me know you're okay or I'm coming. Mm-hmm. And that sounds exactly what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. For so long, I'd lived my life for him and I didn't know how to live, you know, without him. Um, that was the roughest night of my life. But uh, that next morning I woke up with, with four messages from four, four separate mediums. And uh, every one of those messages started with, you have got to tell my dad that I'm okay. Wow. Hmm. 
and uh, incredible. he held up his end of the bargain. So yeah. here I am. Mm-hmm. I'm still pushing forward with autographs, and uh, I will until my last breath. Yeah. So this is his thing. Uh, Potagrass for Pooches is definitely hashtag Murray's legacy. Mm-hmm. It succeeds because of him. Um, it succeeds because of the people that support it. And uh, I've said for a long time now that I'm just the guy that gets to tell his story. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm completely honored and humbled that I get to tell that story. Um, but this isn't mine. It says. Yeah. Now, do you believe in reincarnation? I've never really given it a whole lot of thought, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, I I have Ray now. Uh, she's a, she's also a pit lab. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of Murray in her. You know, sometimes I just sit and talk to her, and I swear he's behind those eyes. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a mistake. I don't think it's an accident that I have her. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't think it was an accident that I found Murray. I think. Yeah, I don't I think, think so either. My dad saying, "Hey, this is this is your boy." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I always think there's people on the other side that are directing steps, and you know, we're we're just living our lives. But there, I think there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. I, you know, like with maybe our spirit guides, or some people call them guardian angels, or you know, whatever, um, you know, term that people are comfortable or want to use but you know i just i just don't think that it's just us making these decisions i think there is a lot of um you know a hand a hand from our loved ones on the other side whether they be Mm -hmm. pets or or people um you know either protecting us guiding us um encouraging us or you know like sometimes you know, showing you where your missing keys are, so, <laughs> which is a big one for me. But, um, you know, have, um, let me think. I, I got so many questions, Tim. I, I, I want to get into also, you know, talk about your, your experience being on Paranormal Witness. But um, have you ever felt the need to just like go and adopt all the dogs out of the <laughs> shelter? Like, are you just having one right now or is there more planned or do you have multiple pets? What's going on in the house? Well, in, uh, in September, unfortunately I lost my girl, Molly. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, she was 13. So now I am down to one dog and one cat. And, uh, the first five years I had Murray, it was just him and I. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm in a place where I just want to build that relationship with Ray mm-hmm. and have it just be her and I for a while. And, and, uh, you know, give her all the loving. And then as she gets older, maybe we'll get her a friend. But uh, for the meantime, I think it's just going to be her and I. And and as far as wanting to adopt all of the dogs, I did an event in Dundee, Michigan in November. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we, uh, we raised money for uh, the Humane Society of uh, Huron Valley. Okay. Fantastic people. I got to tour the facility. And I went there with Tim Woolworth. We love Tim. He's amazing. Tim's like a brother. Yes. Um, But I always joke with him. He is so much more intelligent than I am. And I have no problem saying that. Than a lot of people. Yeah. And and sometimes when we're at events together and we're having breakfast, I'll just look at him and I'll be like, I I don't have time for your smart stuff right now. Just pass the bacon. Right. I I don't want to feel so stupid yet. Um, But we went there and I just looked at him. I'm like, dude, I got to get out of here. Like it, it breaks my heart. To yeah. Be in this place. yeah. Um, you know, I get a lot of credit for what we do with Potagrass, but the real heroes are the people that are out there rescuing those dogs. Yeah. 
and that are out there taking care of them at shelters. And uh, I have so much respect for those people. But we, we did some good while we were there because I, I snapped a few photos of this pit bull named Zira. And she had been in the shelter for seven months. And I shared her photo on social media two times. And having been there for seven months, within a week, she was adopted and had a family for Thanksgiving. That's incredible. So uh, try to use whatever kind of uh, notoriety I might have mm -hmm. for good. Um, and we were able to get her picture shared and, and eyes on it. And and she was able to get a home. So uh, that was pretty cool. But, yeah, if I could adopt every dog, like if I won the lottery. Right. First of all, I First of all, I'd have to play the lottery, but <laughs> um, can't win if, if you don't play, win, Tim. <laughs> if I would ever win the lottery, though, I think my dream would be to just have a ranch and uh, have as many animals there as I could, yeah. And just uh, you know, give because every every animal deserves to be loved. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, um, and and before we get too far into this and we go down the rabbit hole, uh, I am an animal lover to a point. Mm -hmm. um people that love reptiles are fantastic it's just not for me yeah um <laughs> i agree so we agree saving lizards and snakes you're talking to the wrong guy <laughs> um you want to talk about dogs and cats we can get that done okay and rabbits yeah my my retirement goal is to have a rabbit rescue so i'm like you know 12 years away mm -hmm. from that but i will have my rabbit rescue we uh, sure. we met a woman at one of the conventions that is a pet psychic, and mm -hmm. I had no clue that a pet psychic even existed mm -hmm. until we met her, and I learned so much from her. Yeah, and you know it it makes sense. Dogs, you know, I mean, I, I would say cats more evil, you know, but uh, <laughs> no, no, but. It shows that they do have souls and they do go on. And I believe that they can communicate with us. And I think that they can put people or other animals into our lives to better ourselves. And like they were with you. And I just, it just blew my mind when I thought it clicked that, yeah. well, they're living creatures, right. you know, and they I, have souls. I feel like animals recycle themselves right like they come to the earth and they they are our companions and they they serve a purpose and then when they pass on they may come around for a little bit but it's almost like their journey then they've got to maybe reincarnate themselves into another pet and then go into somebody else's life and maybe they go back to the same family as a different pet or they they move on and and are a companion to somebody else. I just, you know, I can't see them just going into heaven and, and because they're so full of life and so full of love and unconditional love, why wouldn't that come back, that energy come back to people who true, you know, mm -hmm. would want to take care of these animals and, and, and just feel that unconditional love. And we've heard so many stories of like ghost cats where someone will, cat will pass away, they'll see it, and then they'll never see it again. It's almost like they come back just to say goodbye. Right. So maybe they are reincarnating into a, I don't know. Yeah, I, I had a cat in 2016 that, that uh, unfortunately passed away. And his name was Bip. Mm -hmm. 
And I named him that because he was so bipolar. <laughs> um, when it, when I first got him, he, he would love Murray and then he would hate Murray. And then eventually they turned into best friends. And uh, Bip got very sick very soon, very suddenly mm. and had to put him down. And that night I was laying in bed and Murray was on the floor. And I remember a large shadow coming into the room that caught my attention. I was just laying there in the dark. And it, it almost started like dancing back and forth to get my attention. Mm-hmm. And I sat up and I'm trying to focus in on the shadow. And clear as day, I see Bip walk into the bedroom. Oh mm-hmm. my God, I got goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he and he walked up to Murray and Murray was sleeping. He walked up to Murray and sat in front of him for about 10 seconds. And then he was just gone. And uh, in my heart, that was him coming back to say goodbye to yeah. his best friend. Oh. And uh, I am just so thankful that I was awake for that for that moment. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, yeah that was pretty special. So um, I've had mediums tell me that Murray says he'll be around as long as I need him, okay. and I have told him that I will need him forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, he can just get comfortable and hang out with his grandpa up there, and uh, and uh, enjoy everything that's that's up there. But uh, like I said, I also look at at Ray sometimes and, and I see a little bit of him behind her eyes and, mm-hmm. and, and that wouldn't be such a bad thing either. No. No, not at all. Not no. At all. Now, you know, you do a lot of these charity events and um, at the different conventions. Is there anything upcoming if there's somebody who wanted to um, maybe attend an event? Do you have something scheduled coming up? I My 2022 is pretty pretty full already all right that's Um, great yeah um and it's great it's it's good to have that problem (laughs) right uh in february i'm going to be appearing at an event at an event for lost limbs foundation okay um murray and i are going to be raising money for children with with uh prosthetic needs for Mm -hmm. mike coach uh completely honored to be at that event and uh it's going to be at the r theater i believe Mm -hmm. um i wish i had more information on it but i don't have the poster um but looking forward to being at that event and and helping you know that cause Mm -hmm. and then in in march we start full steam ahead with potograph stuff we got the potographs parafest three at houghton lake michigan Mm -hmm. on march 5th uh the headliners there brian cano and paul paul bradford oh great um and then going to be at ashmore estates in april we're going to be celebrating what would be murray's 16th birthday that weekend and uh that weekend we've got uh folks like dustin perry uh, Keith Age, Scotty Rorick, Dana Stricker, uh, a whole bunch of people. And you can go to potographsforpooches.com and uh, you can get information there. Click on events and then the ticket links are right there. In May, we're doing our second annual golf scramble here in, uh, here in Oshkosh. I never thought my boy would have his own golf tournament. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, but that was pretty cool. Uh, I know the owner and the owner said, hey, let's do something here. Mm-hmm. And, and it helped us out, you know, to get our name out there because a lot of people are you know too keen on going to a paranormal event and mm-hmm. yeah. this opened it up to people that didn't want to do that and i certainly understand that and i don't try to change people's minds but you know the facts are facts in the paranormal field and that platform is what i have been given and i'm going to use it to the right. to the fullest extent yeah. um in july i'm doing an event to hinsdale house for potographs for pooches dan class has given us the building for free oh nice um August, I'm still keeping my schedule open just in case Brad and Tim and the people at Michigan Paracon need me to come back. Yeah. Uh, I'm, start, I'm starting to lose hope, but it might happen. <laughs> I think they will. 
Uh, and then in uh, September, so we're doing an event here locally in Wisconsin at Ripon. And uh, the headliners for that event are Dustin Perry, Chris Williams, and Shane Pittman. Uh, Shane Pittman from Holzer Files. And, uh, of course, Dustin and Chris from Ghost Hunters. And then you get into October, I'll be back in Michigan again at Little Traverse Bay Parafest. Oh, okay. Like I said, the... Uh, the the year is filling up it yeah. is it, and the time goes so fast and then you know there's so many different conventions and you know you try to hit them all it's it's just hard to mm-hmm. you know kind of you yeah, know this uh yeah. go this, to them this all. kid from kid from small town wisconsin is, <laughs> is getting to do a lot of travel i'm enjoying every second of it because yeah. You know, there may come a time when people say, hey, we're sick of hearing that guy talk. <laughs> I don't think so. Because you know what? There's always somebody new coming mm-hmm. to these conventions. And, and this is such a great platform for, you know, people who are maybe searching for some answers about the paranormal and or, you know, their, their pet that they lost or, you know, maybe just want to give back and not mm-hmm. sure how this is a great um way to do that you know come and support these events that that tim's putting on um to help these uh shelters and 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 raise awareness mm-hmm. for you know sad little puppies I, every time i see one of those commercials tim on the on the tv where they show the dogs and the sad eyes i'm like get my wallet <laughs> I can't. I, I, I can't. I, can't take it. I know I can't. It like, breaks my heart. But um, now, have were you or did you start or were you a part of any paranormal investigation groups? Uh, I started Fox City's paranormal team back in January two thousand eight. Okay. And we're still going strong. Oh, great! Uh, we've we've done over three hundred residential cases. Wow. Um, when I was looking for help in my house i couldn't get anybody to listen to me really and and really wow. what it comes down to for me is i want to be there for those folks that aren't getting their emails returned mm-hmm. and aren't getting the help that they think they deserve yeah and i just want people to feel comfortable in their own home because i think we all deserve that yeah so Absolutely. uh you know the work that the team puts into what we do and giving up their weekends for people that they don't know um you know that makes todd arnold and i todd, todd runs the team with me uh, that makes Todd Arnold and I look really good, and it gives us the uh, these opportunities to go around the country. Yeah, um, it gave us the opportunity for that case that uh, ended up on Paranormal Witness, and, and you know here we are. It just spirals, and and good mm-hmm. things happen when you mm-hmm. when you uh, when you put in the work. And and I I've, I've told people before they're like you know how'd you get to this point where you're doing you know doing conventions and you're on TV and like I didn't ask for any of it. Mm-hmm. that's how we got here i mean mm-hmm. we we did the work and somebody important noticed and and said hey wait a minute we we ought to pay attention to these people because they're doing the right thing yeah. someone and, on the other uh, side probably guided you to that yeah mm-hmm. there's uh there's a whole bunch of factors and i i am i, I am not uh i'm not going to sit here and say that i did any of this on my own i mean i got a great team of people mm-hmm. you know i got folks on the other side that are looking out for me and uh, I got the world's greatest dog ever that's got my back for the rest of my life. So yeah. good things are coming. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, um, just because I think people are curious, you know, when they're listening to podcasts or they, they go to the conventions, see people on, on the television shows. Tell us a little bit about that process of, like, how does that does that happen? Are they coming to your place to are you going somewhere to, you know, tape your segment? Um, 
walk us through that. I mean, you don't have to get in specific if there's anything that you signed an NDA on or anything, but you know, just we're curious, like, how does that, how does that work? Uh, that particular case, like I said, we had brought Scotty Rorick in to kind of put the missing pieces of the puzzle together for us mm-hmm. and uh, work with us on it. And he was contacted by raw entertainment out of uh, England, uh, which at the time was doing paranormal witness. I'm not sure who's in charge of it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they asked Scotty if he had any residential cases that would be good for the show. Uh, Scotty called me and, and basically we talked for about an hour mm-hmm. and he tried to convince me to, to do the show. At first I didn't want any, any part of it because it was, it was a very uh, emotional and personal case for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd worked two years on getting this two year old boy to trust us to the point where he would tell us his name and, and his story and, uh, this two-year-old boy was molested and murdered by his foster father. Oh, Lordy. And, you know, here we are coming into the home 43 years later. And the family is, you know, hearing and seeing this little boy and then also this older man. Um, so, like I said, we worked on the case for two years. And then Scotty came in at the end and and was exactly what we needed as a team to kind of put it all together for us. Um, so it took, took some convincing from Scotty. And at the end of the day, I said, you know what? I think Chris, the little boy deserves to have his story told mm-hmm. and uh, I'm willing to talk to them. And I talked to them for about two hours on the phone from London mm-hmm. and just tried to tell them how important it was to me that they treated this case with respect. Um, they did come here. They rented a studio here and did all the interviews okay. in the area. So uh, the first day I was there, they sent me home after six hours because I wouldn't say things the way they wanted me to. Oh, okay. You know, it sounds good that way, but could you say it this way? And yeah. I was like, well, that's yeah. not what happened. Um, they actually sent me home because apparently I was difficult to work with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, the next morning I, I went back, we finished up taping and the experience itself, I mean, they exaggerated a lot on the episode mm-hmm. uh, but they kept their word and they told Chris's story Chris's story was intact what happened to him mm-hmm. uh, they didn't sensationalize that part and that made me happy uh, so I think we compromised you know they got their sensationalism at the end mm-hmm. and I got to tell this little boy's story so I think it was a win-win for all of us but uh, I, I haven't been asked to do TV for the last eight years since then. So maybe, maybe <laughs> it's well known that I'm not easy to work with. <laughs> but you're also want to tell the truth. And we've heard so many times where television shows, the people will say something and they'll be like, no, don't do it that way. Do it this way. And they're like, no, that's not yeah. real. That's not what I saw. That's not what I heard. But like For you me- said, they have to sensationalize and they have to make ratings, you know? For me, it was very important because I think once you lose your integrity in this field, you've lost everything. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I didn't want to be a part of a part of a show where people that knew the real story were looking at me talking on TV and going, he's full of crap. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's not how it happened. Yeah. So it, it was real important that I got to tell the story as it happened for me. Yeah. And uh, whatever they did with it afterwards was out of my hands. But um, if the right thing came along, you know, of course I would do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wasn't, I was pretty naive as to how many people watch that show. 
because when it aired, I mean, my social media blew up yeah. and all of a sudden yeah. that was legitimate and in the eyes <laughs> of a lot of people. Yeah. But uh, it, it gave us a, a good platform because there's people in this area that saw the show and reached out to us for help. So we were able to reach other families because we were on that show too. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I still think it was a win for us uh, as far as was it good or bad. Uh, there were some frustrating parts of it, but all in all, it, I'd probably do it again. Mm -hmm. And it goes to show too, when you were talking about how you were communicating with the little boy for so long, you know, two years before he trusted you enough to actually communicate. And it just goes to show too, that when we do these paranormal investigations, it's not, you don't get so much activity in the 45 minutes it takes a long time and it takes preparation and it takes, if you do a true investigation of a residential house, you don't just go in for one night and throw some equipment around and get, you know, evidence. It takes the research. It takes time. It takes time to communicate with the spirits, you know? And then on top of that, the hardest part of an investigation is going over your evidence. And we've said it many times, you get, four or five cameras in there for six hours, that's six hours per camera that you have to go through and look at. You know, that, so is, it's, that, that is mind numbing. Yeah. I'll right. tell you that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, so that was the case. We got that case two years in, wow. two years into being a paranormal investigator and that case fell in our lap. Hmm. Um, but that case changed me as an investigator because up until then I was all about, let's ask questions, wait 15 seconds, ask another yeah. question. Right. And I got so emotionally involved in that case that it changed the style of which we investigated. Uh, it became more about, hey, what, what can we do for the spirit? Yeah. Right. Now, it's not just about the family. It's the spirit might need help, too. And and let's let's treat that spirit like it's in front of us. Mm -hmm. Let's treat that spirit yep. like it's sitting on the bed next to us. Yeah. Or it's sitting on the couch next to us. And uh, as soon as we started treating spirits like people and, and not so much rigid questions, um, we started to get better and better results and, and more cooperation. And I credit that case and, and working on that one for two years as really being the catalyst for change for this team and us realizing, you know, that there's a chance here to even help the spirit. And, you know, mm -hmm. embarrassingly enough, I didn't recognize that in the first two years. So yeah. It, it's important to grow. And, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and thankfully we did. You know, and it may have been two years for you also, but, to the boy, you know, we don't know. And I mean, we obviously time means nothing on the other side to the boy. That could have been 10 minutes, could have been a few seconds. And then been years. Yeah. We don't know. But the amazing part about that case was, like I said, we brought Scotty in on the last one and uh, I had never seen a medium perform transmediumship before. Mm hmm. Um, had never seen it. And honestly, if I hadn't been there to witness it, I would have called BS on it. Um, but I was sitting in that basement with, with Scotty when he let this boy talk through him and Scotty had no knowledge of the case going in. Absolutely none. He came to my house, he got into my car and, and we drove there. And after our walkthrough, he, he looked at me and he said, well, he's like, I wasn't expecting this. This is a lot more than I was expecting. And I said, well, we really need your help with this one. And uh, when he started doing the transmediumship, um, I asked the little boy, I said, do you know who I am? 
And the answer was, you're Tim and I trust you. Oh, wow. Aww. That's so sweet. And like, again, tears because I'm a big sappy <laughs> ball of mush. But, uh, you know, we'd worked two years on that. Mm-hmm. And, and to get that response was just, it, it was so worth it. Mm-hmm. And, and it made all of the hours that we had put into it so worth it. And and that was that's why that case was so important to me and why I fought so hard to, uh, you know, not let them make a mockery of it. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely, you know, when when you're going into somebody's home, you know, and this is just advice for anybody who's listening who may be reaching out to a team, you know, make sure that you ask the right questions too because you don't want to bring somebody into your home who is is just going to come in maybe help you one or two times you need somebody for long haul Mm -hmm. this you know some of these cases we've had friends of ours have cases have gone for like five or seven years you know this it's still working it's a commitment right Mm -hmm. to to um you know helping these families and and you know these families are so um sometimes emotionally drained Mm -hmm. so you know you really have to know how to deal with the, the living and yeah. the dead, right? I've uh, I've told my team before, and, and it's going to sound over the top, but this is what I tell the team. Out of all of the teams that they could have chosen, they chose us. So don't break that trust. Yeah. yeah. Don't let them down. Mm-hmm. We never promise results, but we always promise that we're going to do the best we can for you. Yeah. Um, you're not going to get a half-ass effort. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just not what we do. Um, and you know, we're in it for the long haul. Like you said, I mean, a lot of times you become like family sure. you, know, you see these people so much, like the, the case that ended up on paranormal witness, uh, they had kids ranging from eight years old to about 15 at the time. And, and here we are 11 years after I met that family. And, you know, some of them are, you know, out of the house and have their own careers now. And, and I remember them as little kids. Yeah. Um, but we've stayed friends and we've stayed in touch. And, and uh, once you go through something like that together, you can't, you can't help but be closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever got a call in the middle of the night? Like somebody has had a paranormal emergency and just <laughs> needed you there. I, uh, I don't have my, my phone number on the website. Ah, I see. The reason That's for that good. is because I don't want people to have that phone number unless I've like vetted them and, yeah. and, yeah. Uh, and trust them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have woken up to 65 separate emails from the same person <gasps> and they were all one photo mm-hmm. and with red circles asking me what I saw in the red circle. I hate the red circles. And, uh, Joe's yeah. like, uh, wait a minute. Dust, I gotta bring it dust, 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 dust. Yeah, he, he has. I, I have it on the table. His orb. I got my orb. <laughs> <laughs> so I can just imagine how bad that night would have been if I would have had my phone number on the, yeah, right. on the, uh, on the website. But you know, once you're a client, of course, you have my phone number. I've gotten calls in the middle of the night from those people, mm-hmm. you know, saying, "Hey, Tim, I need you to walk me through this. You know, talk me off the ledge. Yeah. This is what's happening." And, and by all means, I'll, I'll do that for them because mm-hmm. that's what we signed up for. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, not not right from the beginning. They don't get the phone number. <laughs> right it's almost like dating. You gotta check them out first, right? <laughs> <laughs> but. Um... Have you ever had anything from any of your investigations follow you home? 
yeah, a, a few times, and it's uh, it's always interesting. Most of the time, it's just curiosity, mm-hmm. and uh, you just tell them, you know, you ask them to leave, and they will. But um, the uh, I, I guess the one that sticks out to me the most was I was in this for maybe two years, and I can't remember the specific case, but uh, I had gotten up on Sunday, like late morning, early afternoon, because we had gotten back at about four in the morning. And I started going around the house and picking up my laundry because uh, this just in, I'm kind of a slob. <laughs> <laughs> and I had dirty laundry in separate rooms. So I was going around from room to room, picking it up so I could do my laundry. And Murray was following me around. And as we walked to the bathroom upstairs, uh, the bathroom upstairs is just a half bath. that has got a shower and a toilet. Mm-hmm. And the shower door is all glass. And it, it swings out. Uh-huh. So... As I was walking to the bathroom, I, I noticed that the shower door was open, and I, ne- and I never leave it open. And as I got closer, the, the door slammed shut. Oh, snap. And uh, I looked down at Murray, and all I said was, I got to stop bringing this shit home with me. <laughs> and, uh, and he just kind of gave me this look like, I don't know what that was. Like, we were both dumbfounded. Um, there were other times when I would come home, and Murray would notice things. Mm-hmm. Um, he would be acting strange and I would just say, Hey, you know, I, I, I understand you're curious. Um, but you know, like we said at the, at the house, you can't come home with us. You can't be here. Mm-hmm. You know, I appreciate what you did for us tonight, but you please, you need to go back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for the most part, we haven't had an issue with that. That's good. And thankfully others on the team don't seem to get affected by it as much as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that has something to do with, being a team leader and kind of taking the ownership of uh, I'm very protective of the people on the team mm-hmm. and I, I want to make sure everybody's okay. Uh, I want to make sure that they go home the same way that they, they went to the investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to have to call somebody's wife or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend and say, Hey, this happened to them tonight. Um, you know, that would honestly be terrible. Yeah. You know, the, the team is like a family mm-hmm. and you never want anything to happen to your family. So I, uh, I take it real personal and take it upon myself to be as protective as I can and, and kind of watch out for everybody on the team. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because, you know, those are the people that have your back, right? Like, you never know. Yeah, at least you when, hope you do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never know. You go, you could go into an investigation and, you know, the family may be experiencing something. You come in and it, it could just go from zero to 50. Right. Mm-hmm. Like at any point. So you have to make sure that you have people who know you enough to recognize if you're yeah. not acting like mm-hmm. yourself or maybe something's attached or trying to attach to you or attached to you or, you know, you just never know. Joe and I learned the, like the hard way. Right. Like we didn't even realize that we were supposed when we first started out, tell the spirits they can't come home with us. Yeah. You know, and here we are, we're, you know, loading all our stuff up and just hopping in the car and bringing you know all the spirits and just yeah, riding along in the yeah. Volkswagen come on <laughs> let's go going 50 miles somewhere <laughs> you know so it, you know sometimes the thing that people the thing that people need to understand too is just because you tell them they can't uh doesn't mean they won't True. yeah, yeah. True. Um, <laughs> you know it's uh you know it's a lot like trying to trying to move a spirit along mm-hmm. I don't think there's any foolproof 100% fail safe that says, okay, we can get rid of the spirit. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's a lot like, uh, I've heard this analogy before. 
you see an old lady old lady at the at the corner and she's trying to cross the street or it looks like she's trying to cross the street mm -hmm. so you try to be a really nice guy and go over there and help her across the street but she doesn't want to leave the street at all yeah. and she fights you the entire time right. yeah. um you know unless she wants to go across the street she's not going to mm -hmm. right yeah um, for sure so you know there are situations where you know we do our very best and you know, I come on these shows and, you know, I tell you all the good things that we've done, but, you know, but then there's also cases where we look back and you, you know, you're like, why did we do it this way? Or why yeah. didn't this work? Mm -hmm. and, uh -huh. and, and I think in order to get better, you have to be yeah, um, critical of yourself and, and, and say, Hey, why did we, you know, why didn't we do it this way? What, what was the reason behind that? And just uh, self-analyze. Yeah. Live and learn. I think you always have to strive to get better. Um, the minute you, are complacent and you know get too big for your britches is the right. time that the rest of the field passes you by yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we've come across that <laughs> a couple times <laughs> we won't talk about that <laughs> but um no you know like it's it's I, I think you know people who just watch the paranormal shows just have this idea that you can come in and solve a case in like 30 minutes and be done with it and it's not how it is right yeah. like it's months and months and months sometimes of of trying to um earn the trust of the spirits communicate with the spirits figure out what's going on how do you resolve it you know understand like what the family needs right like you know maybe it's just good old uncle George hanging out trying to tell him that, you know, a copy of his wills hidden in the wall or something. And they think they've got a demon running around and they're demon. scared to death of demons. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot more work than, and you know, you can be a test to that as, mm -hmm. and Oh, one other thing I wanted to ask you, um, just cause you know, I, I'm a rabble hole person. Like there'll be like 50, questions going in and out of my head all the time and I'll just go from one thing to the other but like what's going on in where you live like is there a lot of activity that um I don't what know do you mean, always, his house or the area just the area like we always think Wisconsin's kind of just like this kind of unicorn of like strange and weirdness and is there any other kinds of paranormal activity going on where you live Bigfoot cryptids I, uh, anything you know elementals I, I, I want nothing to do with bigfoot <laughs> um i uh i've always i've been invited on bigfoot hunts and stuff and mm -hmm. i've always said you know what are we going to do when we find it exactly like like it's not going to be happy you know I, I i don't need i don't need to get bludgeoned to death by bigfoot just to prove that it exists just right. get it um, on camera yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, in northern wisconsin there's a lot of people that do that okay um for the most part here, um, and I answered this question too today, um, just somebody at work, uh, around here in Wisconsin, you hear of two spirits, and they're Al Capone mm -hmm. and Ed Gein. Oh. And those are the two that you know businesses will proclaim to have so you can get, they can get you in the door. Right. Um, but those are the two big uh, spirits in Wisconsin, or at least in this area. Um, most of what we do is residential so it really comes down to friends family of okay. whoever we're dealing with or what was on the land before which typically comes down to native americans mm -hmm. right. uh, there's a lot of that in wisconsin so um the first native american case that i did uh, we were lucky enough to work with a shaman okay. and uh kind of walk me through everything because i think it's also important to understand that you don't know everything mm -hmm. and use that great 
network of friends that you're able to build through these events yeah uh, to help, help you and and the client mm-hmm. that's interesting um is there any place that you would like like a commercial place not a residential that you haven't been to that you would love to go to to investigate i used to say the white house but that seems to be a hot button <laughs> topic now yeah uh, so I don't want to be anywhere near that building. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I will say that uh, like I, my favorite building is the Hinsdale House. Yeah. Okay. I, I've been there a couple times. As far as having not been somewhere and wanting to be, mm-hmm. uh, I think Bobby Mackey's and probably Waverly Hills are the two that are on my list yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I've been blessed beyond words to to go around this country and go to places and have opportunities. So. I mean, if that, if it's not meant to be and I never get there, then, you know, life is still good. That's right. But Hey, we, uh, we're running out of time here. We want to thank you very much yeah, for coming on. Really I've been really looking forward to this and we finally got to have you on and we're definitely going to have you on again. Uh, hopefully we see you at a bunch of the conferences and, uh, maybe we'll get you on live. So We'll put you on the spot. Thank you, Thank you very much for having me. I yeah, appreciate that. We always loved to interview. And tell everybody again uh, where they can go to find out more information about Potographs. Uh, you can go to potographsforpooches.com. It's got the events on there. Um, the front page has got the posters of the other places I will be next year. Mm-hmm. Um, find me on Facebook. Send me a friend request because that's that's where I mostly do my updating because I forget to do everything else. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> So if, if you go to like the Potographs uh, social media on Facebook or the Fox City's Paranormal Team social media, you're going to be like, wow, these guys don't do anything. <laughs> in in reality, it's usually all on my page because that's my brain only works that way. So mm-hmm. I have to get better at that. All but right. yeah, by all means, send me a friend request. Uh, get to know me a little bit. Uh, support this if you can, if you if you feel like it. And uh, again, thank you guys so much. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah. Wonderful opportunity. I thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, keep up the good work because it's important. And, yeah. and we really appreciate what you do. And, and I'm sure the, the uh, shelters around the country do as well. Yeah. And we want to thank you, audience, for tuning in. Uh, like we say every day, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we definitely have some T-shirts up on our website. Get up there and buy some T-shirts so we have gas money to get to the conventions. Right. And we want to leave you... In honor of the pooches with some rehab from 60 Second Crush because they definitely help us yep. with our rehab. Adopt, don't shop. Yes. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Talk to you.